listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since 1977. Welcome to the GGTMC, everybody. We are back on the air. We are ready to talk about a little horror film edge. And uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're back. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> back we're looking for a black cat <laughs> for 99 minutes. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. Oh, <laughs> uh, Okay, so we are back. And uh, this week we are covering... Uh, Oh, let me, I'm gonna try the uh, Spanish one there, right? So, Ooh, nice. I think I, I think I can do this one here. So let me, uh, let me get the title punched in because I'm such a professional. I didn't even have that up. <laughs> You're like me. Uh, let's see, mas negro, mas negro que la noche. So <laughs> close. See, that's the key <laughs> to Spanish titles. If you go quick, it doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> They say it in the uh, they say it in the movie a couple of times, and I was like, "Oh yes, yeah, we get that." Yeah, we do get it a few times, yeah. and uh, AKA uh, darker than or blacker than the night. night. Yeah, blacker, blacker than, than the night. Blacker than the night. Great title. Yeah, it's a great title, and uh, that's from 1975, directed one by one, Carlos Enrique Taboada, Taboada, maybe I don't know. Almost sounds like yeah, tab- Taboada. I don't know. Taboada. <laughs> have have more trouble with his name than I have with sounds the name like of the show. Rosie Perez asking for tap water. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. All> Mookie. I'm <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, rubbing ice on my nipples anyway. Yeah. <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Nipples are like pepperoni. All right. Uh, <laughs> three minutes in, we probably lost three listeners. Yeah. All right. And the other film. We gained boners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> JD's Revenge from 1976, directed by one Arthur Marks, a film that uh, I've kind of put off for a long time because it was covered a lot in the beginning by a lot of podcasts and stuff. So it was kind of fun to finally get that one on the show. Uh, it could lead to some interesting conversation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we'll get to that in a little while. Um uh, all right, so uh, well, I, I got to be honest with you, I haven't watched anything this week. I've kind of been so busy, and uh, we've had to kind of uh, double cram this week for something coming up next week. So, yeah, we're uh, double stuff, uh, yeah, double stuff, and like a big old fat Oreo, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna be hard to avoid <laughs> doing that most of the show. Oh yeah, <laughs> and not spitting coffee all over my computer monitor. I'm sure you're my lap already. <laughs> All right, what have you been watching? I know you got a few things in. I got a few things in. Now, mind you, some of them I can't expand on too much because they're for the midnight ride. Oh, yeah, that's right. There'll but be I some can... more of that up soon, guys. Uh, I guess I got some of those this morning. Yeah, I pumped a hat trick off last night. So nice. Yeah, I've done that too, but it doesn't involve yeah. podcast. Yeah, mine was involving X hamster. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 I started the week off 
it's Halloween. Well, yeah, basically. Time to be festive. So I've been watching stuff with the family. Now, admittedly, I didn't program the whole season very well. I've been kind of flying by the seat of my pants, looking up uh, Halloween specials, checking if they're on YouTube, that sort of thing. So next year I'm going to plan it out because I want to make sure I hit some key films with my kids. You know, maybe include a universal horror film. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but, those, uh, those are good. I mean, that, that's most of us, I would say, is kind of our gateway into horror. Yeah. Universal yeah. horror. I mean, that's what I watched uh, growing up, and I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. No, me too, man. Yep. I remember even getting, like, um, activity books that would have, like, word searches and mazes and stuff, and it was all the Universal Monsters. Oh, yeah. And I would just look at them for hours, look at the pictures, and... Mm-hmm. But I did actually a spinoff of one of the Universal Monsters um, with Benicula. Oh. So Benicula is a, a rabbit, certainly. <laughs> it's funny to hear Benicula said, and I always want to say bunny killer. <laughs> yeah, I guess potato potato. But uh, yeah, as most people know, it's a it's a rabbit that he basically sucks the uh, <laughs> the color out of uh, vegetables, and uh, it, it's a good little it's a good little Halloween special. I'd seen it before as a kid. It's a pretty well loved book for kids of a certain age and it was great because we went to a farm on a class trip with William like a few days later and they had like white pumpkins and stuff and I was like look William Benicula's been here so that was <laughs> nice. kind of good that paid off yeah nice that's nice yeah it worked out well um, I went to the theater actually on Saturday was it, did I talk about Gravity last week no you did not oh right because I saw it Sunday night okay so I saw Gravity at the theaters with my wife yep um you and I were talking about it having no idea anymore about what's in theaters. I had no idea what this was until I kept hearing Sandra Bullock and I think, well, who cares? But I didn't know that it was Alfonso Cuaron. Yeah. And I didn't really look. I didn't watch a trailer. I don't really watch trailers anymore because they cut them pretty terribly. And uh started hearing everyone was going just bonkers for this film. And everyone was like Kanye writing in caps. Like, you got to see this in IMAX 3D. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, Jesus. I was like, all right, man, let me see what the fuss is. So I went, I put the Buddy Holly glasses on, sat in my seat. Nice. And uh, me and my wife were like the Max L guy in our chair. We were blown away. It uh, it was good. You know, it was real good. Um, I've never been a Sandra Bullock fan, but I think she's made some pretty smart decisions lately. I mean, nothing overly risky because she's of a certain kind of Hollywood. Uh, she's a, a brand. But I think she's made some pretty decent decisions in the past five, six years. And um, I've kind of come around on her again. I liked her early on in her career with like Demolition Man and Speed and stuff. But then I went through a phase of really not liking her. Uh, she kind of was like, you know, like a Matthew McConaughey kind of a trajectory where she's just doing fucking rom-coms. And she always played the same kind of neurotic woman. Yeah. It just drove me nuts. But anyway, she's fantastic in this. Um, I do think the film is has... Todd and I were talking about this a little too, few too many sort of fortuitous of chain of events that kind of get her out of the the proverbial or the celestial frying pan. But as a technical accomplishment, it's it's really something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really is. It is worth seeing in 3D. It's worth seeing in IMAX. The 3D is probably the best I've ever seen. Um, I flinched about four or five times with like some space debris that was coming at you. Yeah. So it's it's really good. It'll it'll be in my probably my top twenty for the year. 
Yeah. Maybe top 30, but uh, it, it's very good. Nice, nice. Um, I'd give it like an 8.25, so that's a good one. Uh, then I watched a Filipino film called The Road. It's on Netflix Instant. Uh, it's a well-made film. I talked about it on the, on the ride. And uh, then I went back into programming for the kids. My wife was... Uh, I was cleaning the hamster cage, so my wife, the, the, the glitz and glamour of married life. Um, so my wife programmed a little double, or two parts of a double for the kids, and I programmed the third, the finale. So she picked a Halloween special called Lumpkin the Pumpkin. Have you heard of this? I have not. Yeah, it's not bad. It's like 70s animation. Um, mm, sorry, early 80s. You see that style and... You really know what I mean. It was okay. Um, then we did the Scary Godmother's Spooktacular. <laughs> nice. Which is totally... Have you heard of this? No, I have not. I like the title, okay. though. <laughs> it's not bad. It's on YouTube as well. It's about 45 minutes long. This was surely picked as sort of a scramble last-minute thing because we just didn't know what else to pick. So it's early 90s CGI animation. So that kind of tells you how good it is. Yeah, that does tell me a lot. <laughs> but for its time, it's relatively well animated and it's decent. It's, you, I've done worse. You know, I've watched a lot worse. It was okay. Um, oh, then we capped off the night. Uh, our great pumpkin, Michael Koopmans, announced in the group that there was a, on ABC that night there was going to be the Toy Story of Terror, which was a Halloween special with the characters in Toy Story. So I went crazy like. I was super excited. Um, now, this you did see this. What? You, what is? Oh yeah, the Toy Story trilogy. Uh, not a terror thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched it with my son uh, the other morning. Yep. Before, now, before he went to school. This is good, but like Kelly said in our group, the first five minutes feels Halloweeny, but other than that, it's not a how. Ha- it's totally like shoehorned as a Halloween special. But it was nice to see the characters. I, I've really gotten an affection for Toy Story and that that franchise with um, having gotten the blues last year and watched them. And as I said to you, I really love them. So that was good. Uh, then I did the Albert Pujols of underseen British horror films with The Ass Fix. Yes. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's on the midnight <laughs> ride, so you'll hear it there. <laughs> the Ass Fix. Yes, we, we all, as I, I'm going to use this joke again. We all need an ass fix. Every now and then, yes. Yeah, JD did. Darker. Oh, we're going to talk about that on the show. I watched Fright Night and Fright Night 2, but you'll need a time machine to go forward, to go back to the future, yes. to hear us talk about those. Yes, exactly. And, and I also covered... The Black Cat, yes. ironically, for which features less cat and more chills. El Gato Negro. El Gato Negro. <laughs> A middle of the road Chilean wine I get sometimes. <laughs> the price is right. He's speaking in terrible Spanish the rest of the episode. Yes. <laughs> or 40s African American New Orleans gangster. Your pick. Uh, and that was my week. So there you have it. Nice, nice. All right, and I didn't watch, like I said, I didn't watch anything. Toy Story of Terror. Uh, well, I guess I watched that, but, you know, that was about it. I mean, I, 
I just didn't have any time. And uh, when I did have time, I, we kind of ended up doing something and scheduling something. So I was like, okay, well, there we go. That's going to take up that time. That's okay. That's going to be, you know, something I'm looking forward to anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, delicious coffee. Ah, yes. Java Negro. <laughs> 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 I just love saying negro. Me too. <laughs> oh man! All right, uh, <laughs> it really is the language of love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm glad everybody enjoyed the uh, the total tangent show of last week. Uh, <laughs> mm, yeah, I was listening to a lot of it. I was like, Are "We even reviewing a movie at this point? What are we doing?" Oh, I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> oh. I'm trying to think and, if there's anything else. I'm, oh, what was you going to say? And for those of you that missed the cereal eating, it's back. <laughs> Cheerios. Yeah. Chev. <laughs> Hopefully you don't have any Cheerios Negro. That'd be kind of gross. Well, they are. Um, oh, hang on. I'll tell you one second. <laughs> oh, hands don't fail me now. Funny you should say that. Because they are marron, which is brown in Spanish. <laughs> They're whole wheat. They're multigrain. Nice. Which uh, are pretty good as an aside. No, yeah, they are. Yeah, I have Cheerios every now and then. I don't eat much cereal anymore. I've kind of got off of that train. I had to, you know, I mean, it was a, it's a weakness of mine anyway. I'm like Jerry Seinfeld when it comes to cereal. So he took the joke out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am like him a lot when it comes to cereal, yeah. man. I just like I could, I could buy like a box of anything. Like t- I could have just like an assortment on my shelf, and I would be a very happy man. You know what I miss? Remember when we were kids? They'd have those little the mini boxes. Oh you yeah, get, like the mixer yeah. packs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With like corn pops and this and that. I wonder if they still make those. They they still do. I know down here in the states they still do because um, I've been to some functions like meetings and stuff, and it's been early morning rises and there's coffee and usually bagels and maybe some donuts and then there's you know some some hotels I've gone to have had ah. the little boxes, but it's never you know like Apple Jacks or the heavy sugar based ones. It's usually more like you know corn flakes, stuff like that. Yes, the continental breakfast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll find me there every time I'm in a hotel. Oh, yeah. I love, I'll tell you, man, I, I look forward to a good continental breakfast. But I have to say, I was a little disappointed when I first had a continental breakfast because when I was about eight or nine, I was at a hotel and I saw on that, that sign with like the letters that you, they'd put in the, the sign, continent, free continental breakfast. Man, I, I, I fucking was so excited. I didn't know what I, I was going to get bacon and eggs and, and just be backstroking in like French toast and. <laughs> And it was nothing hot. It was cold cereal yeah. and fruit. It was like, what the fuck is this? Continental breakfast. <laughs> Who coined that term? I have no idea. Sounds good. Sound, yeah, it sounds amazing. <laughs> Boy. Oh, it does sound good. It's like, yeah, continental. <laughs> they know I like my Lincolns. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I want to try to look that up here. <laughs> I don't know who coined that damn term. But I, you know, I, it's one of my thing, favorite things about traveling is the uh, is the breakfast, you know. But not, typically, usually, I'm not really like super impressed. But uh, I will say that uh, you know, I like a good Danish with a cup of coffee as I'm walking out of the hotel. It's always a nice little thing. I mean, it's my oh yeah, absolutely. It's a nice little touch, man. Yeah. I, I've waffle bars one. are really really popular right now in those things. Oh yeah, 
the best continental breakfast, well, one of them, I've had two, one where they actually did serve bacon and eggs was that one when we recorded, actually, speaking of a film, we both like to say the title, Baba Yaga. <laughs> uh, Baba that Yaga. episode, I was eating continental hardcore, man. I was throwing on sausage and eggs and... That was good, but other than that, the one in uh, in Cincinnati, the Sleep In, I think it's called, the place I stay at across from the convention. Oh yeah, yeah. They have a good, have some fresh, fresh croissants and. Oh nice, nice. That was good, man. Yeah, fresh croissant is a is like heaven in the mornings. It's really nice. I love the smell. I love the, I love the softness. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a short break <laughs> and come back and talk. What do you want to talk about first? I think we should probably do. We, well, it's up to you. What do you want to do first? No? Um, let's do Becker. <laughs> Becker. All right, we'll do Blacker Than the Night. We'll be back uh, right after this. Hey, this is Scott of Married with Clickers. Tune in to hear my wife Kat and me discuss all sorts of movies. We'll cover everything from The Lost Weekend to Weekend at Bernie's. From The Big Sleep to Big Mama's House. Well, maybe not Big Mama's House. And the great thing about Kat is that she's not afraid to speak her mind. And would you be surprised to hear he was nominated for Best Actor that year? For that film? For that film. (laughs) But don't take my word for it. Just listen to what the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema has to say about our show. It's a husband and wife show, and they discuss movies and stuff. Yeah, a very wife-husband show. High praise indeed. So come find us at marriedwithclickers.libson.com. It will save your life. Or maybe just help you kill an hour. Oh, I forgot I don't have music anymore there. <laughs> hey, welcome to, you know, 258 episodes of me not knowing what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> All right. Well, it worked out anyway. Uh, okay, so our first film is Mas Negro Que La Noche. Oh, Blacker Than The Night. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> feel like Antonio Banderas this morning. <laughs> Little puss in boots. Yeah. All right. And we should say, these ladies hate pussy. They All right. Do. <laughs> do they ever? <laughs> yeah. You won't hear any uncool cat in this one. Uncool cat wouldn't make it in this one. <laughs> no. He'd be the proverbial Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Be off in the corner singing Smuggler's Blues. <laughs> All right. Wipe it out from under it. Wiping, wiping the bottom of his nose. <laughs> Looking uh, around the room. All right. Uh, uh, do you want to synopsize? You want me to synopsize? Yeah, uh, I can synopsize this one. Um, this is from 19. I have to say, I love that this was released on Christmas Day, 1975, in Mexico. <laughs> Amazing. Um, when four women move into an old house left by one woman's aunt. Strange things begin to happen. Bizarre voices, visions of ghosts, and visions of love. What? Mis- no, it doesn't say that. <laughs> I just throw a little Mariah, Mariah up in this piece. <laughs> and mysterious noises lead them to discover. This is a bit of hyperbole. The darkest powers of evil and a horror and agony beyond terror. That is that, that a has big to be the most overreaching synopsis in the history of cinema. <laughs> Fuck, it sounds like there's yeah. Cenob- Mexican Cenobites in this. <laughs> Discover the darkest powers of evil and a horror and oh agony beyond terror. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're laughing a little bit because this was interesting. Neither one of us had seen this. 
And and when you say interesting, you mean not at all. Yeah, yeah, basically. And 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 Will and me were kind of talking. What do you want to do? You know, and I I chose JD's Revenge. And so you know he you know he he was like, well, give me a few give me a few days or give me a few hours. Let me let me look around a little bit. I want to kind of look around. So he started kind of going back and forth. He started throwing some titles at me and stuff. Uh, he but he did want to. The main goal was to do something of uh, Mexican descent. To do something because uh, we we don't cover a whole lot of Mexican cinema, and they have a whole cinematic culture, rich history that. I love what I've seen. I love 80. We love 80s Mexican film. It's got an energy. It's rompy. It's like some of the best Italian genre stuff. It kind of yeah. just puts its head down and it's gloriously kind of loopy. Yeah. And be- beautiful women. Let's let I'm not I'm going to pull the curtain back and say I said to you, Rick, I want to cover something with big-haired, gorgeous <laughs> 80s Mexican women. <laughs> Yeah, and they, you know they they do have this sense of melodrama that's overwrought sometimes, and yeah. their horror is kind of insane, and their trash is really trashy. <laughs> oh yeah, it's fantastic. So that was Will's main goal. So he just kind of started kicking some stuff around, and I was like, well, this is on you know YouTube, and I'd never heard of it, and I started looking through the reviews on IMDb, and one of the first reviews you see on the page for IMDb is scariest movie I've ever seen. Uh-huh. And then you see that a, few, a seven rating almost. On yeah, IMDb. yeah. And then you see that a few more times, and I'm like, well, well, this 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 sounds fine. Let's do this one. Why not? And you know, of course, I had no idea what it's about. And I should say for the record, I am not a big ghost story kind of person. I mean, I just don't find ghost very scary. Uh, but I do think ghost offers directors uh, kind of a cinematic get out of jail free card. Big time. It gives them a really big sandbox to play with. Yeah, because you can do all kinds of stuff with cameras and. And what sounds yeah, and, sound. and logic or lack thereof. <laughs> yes. Ghost logic is, yeah, you can do all kinds of stuff. I mean, you, you can get away with murder, essentially, and figuratively and literally. There we go. But uh, so, you know, I'm, I was kind of looking forward to seeing it. But it's weird. It's This is a weird one. I got to say, this is one of the weirder films we've ever covered on the show. Um, it opens with a, uh, a lady off screen um, talking to a cat a lot. And the cat's name is Beckett. B-E-Q-U-E-R, Beckel. And she says this name, like, I don't know, maybe 10 times, 15 times in, like, the first five minutes of the film. And it has this really long, extensive opening credit sequence with this kind of, like, uh, reverse color blasted uh, kind of heat sensor type thing going on with the cat. Which, if you've ever seen, if you're Canadian or you've ever seen Hilarious House of Frightenstein, that <laughs> yeah. was a big effect they used a lot in the 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it looks good. I, I mean, I like the I like the credits of this film, and I like the first five minutes of this film. I like oh, the yeah. setup. I mean, it's, it's almost gothic in its setup. It's very simple. I didn't understand what happened, so that was kind of fun because now I had a mystery. Yeah, because there was a cat free-falling in this kind of psychedelic color yeah. scheme. I yeah. didn't really know what was happening. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. So I was like, okay, cool. So we got to like, not only do we have this kind of weird lady talking to her cat, you know, the weird cat lady, quote-unquote, and all that stuff, but we got the, the you know, I don't know what just happened. And, you know, and then we got a cat, you know, hissing hardcore at the, <laughs> I always wonder what they're doing to get the cat to do that off camera. You know, telling what it is. Because all cats, not all cats, uh, you know, hiss and, and react like that to the same things. <laughs> so I wonder, you know, if it's like another cat or another dog or, you know, who knows. Um, Robert Rodriguez, I don't know. Something off, <laughs> something off camera. <laughs> but, uh, so... It opens like that, and so it, it kind of has a little bit of a giallo-esque feel. Like I said, a little, little gothic cinema feel. Uh, I didn't really know 
if it was because of the way it's set up and with the the character, and it should be said, it's the the character is the aunt of a uh, of another of the lead character in the film, uh, Ophelia, right? Is that her name? Oh, I, yeah, I think so. There's a, Claudia. There's a groping joke in there for her, but I'll yeah. leave it for now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so it kind of feels like it's it could be set in any time in the beginning, but then you realize it, of course, is set in the seventies. Uh, once you get the the four girls living together scenario set up and um you know laying in each other's beds naked and stuff and so you think okay this is going to get sleazy this is going to be amazing yeah this is going to be this is going to be naughty and uh you know so we're going to see more than one black cat <laughs> yeah literally so uh i thought you know okay let's let's just roll with this and then for a long time nothing really happens <laughs> And I'm I'm one of the few people who reviews movies that'll ever say that because I do believe when a lot of times when people say nothing really happens in this movie that they're just saying that because they're bored and they want you know and, and sometimes I think it's it's modern cinema's fault that they want the one you know you got to have the the old Hollywood adage of uh, a producer saying, "Yeah, we got to keep them in their seats, man, and we got to have a you know a kill every ten minutes. We got to have a, a ex- car explosion yeah. before the opening credits. <laughs> yeah, we got to have this, and you know they get you know you got these check marks on your on mm-hmm. your uh, on your setup. Um, so I don't always agree with that, but with this one, it really is the case because what essentially happens is the girl inherits the the mansion, which is more like which on the outside looks more like a townhouse. On the inside, it looks like <laughs> it looks like a hammer set. Yeah, uh, I did like the inside uh, set as well. The I, house was a great set. Yeah, yeah, because I, I like that uh, that old seventies uh, wood paneling. Gothic. Yeah, gothic wood paneling. It's really nice on the inside. You know, the fireplace, of course. You know, like a dream of mine to have a nice big fireplace and a couple of setting chairs, reading chairs, like aimed right at it, you know. A library. Yeah, so, so I can just kick those chairs out of the way and start wrestling like Alan Bates and Oliver Reed. And- Fucking right, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. Oh, baby. Anyway, um, but I, so I like all that setup and stuff. And and, and now the, the, the four girls have now inherited this. Well, Ophelia's inherited this house. So all four of them are going to move into this house. And I thought, okay, well, this is a simple setup. It's uh, old dark house, four girls. I kind of know where this is going to go now. Uh, we'll probably get, you know, ten little Indians except with four young women. And, you know, it, uh, this whole little thing will probably just start, you know, these, you know, it's basically a slasher-esque ghost story type thing. Boy, was I wrong about that because this is essentially a ghost story and I, I don't know. It's a ghost story with no ghost, or or virtually no ghost. Virtually no ghost. There's five minutes of ghosting happening in a hundred minute film. Yeah, and I don't understand. I mean, I really do not understand why the characters despise this cat so much. <laughs> they mean, show up, and from moment one, they fucking hate. They hate pussy. Yeah. They really do. I mean, they really hate this cat. And I'm not saying. I'm not trying to be like. Like one of these kind of broad people who say all women love cats or something like, because I know that's not the case. Some people don't, you know, I'm not a big cat person. And uh, I mean, I, you know, I've had, you know, cats around. I've never owned a cat, but I've been to people's houses and they have cats. And, I'm, you know, I'm an animal lover, so I'll, I'll pet on the cat and blah, blah, blah. But I'm just not a cat enthusiast, so to speak. 
Well, oh, I am. Are you inferring that? I'm, t- I'm that talking about all... fe- I'm talking about felines. I'm not talking about the other oh, cat. Oh. I was going to say, are you inferring that all women are a little bit lesbian? <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking of the uh, feline nature, <laughs> but it, the uh, but you know, I mean these these women just think the cats. They essentially, you know, treat it like it's a rat. They do. (laughs) They really fucking do, man. Like from the get go, like the minute she's told all she has to do to keep this house, Ophelia, is inherit this cat, Bekel, and this black cat. And the girl next to her who goes with her to this will reading is like, ooh, it's a fucking cat. You know, I mean, that's basically what she's like, you know. and these four broads are basically living hand to mouth. Yeah. One of them's out of work. They got another squatter that's going to be living with them. It's like you can inherit a mansion. All you have to do is just take care of the cat that your aunt, who was kind enough to donate a mansion to you, loved so much. Yeah, it's very bizarre. That's fucking a- grumble, grumble. Yeah, that's a bizarre angle, too, because I'm sitting there thinking four young women living hand to mouth, hardly any money between them. And uh, <laughs> you're laughing with the hand to mouth. Well, because uh, I'm gonna, I was going to make a piggish joke. Fuck yeah. it, I'm going to make it. I wish they were living ass to ass. Yeah. <laughs> ass to mouth. Yeah, even, even better. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, but they don't even appreciate the fact that they just moved into a mansion and they now have a housekeeper. <laughs> yeah, and it's paid. Everything's paid. I know. I'm sitting there thinking, if I'm young, I get this gigantic place. I got all these uh, these Mexican men with mustaches coming after the women, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> you're getting courted. You got a mate, to, and especially when you're young, man, you don't want to clean up shit. Yeah, and people are cooking for you, and and all you got to do is take care of a cat, and that's literally all you have to do to keep this lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, and these girls, except for the lead, I should say Claudia. She never really says anything bad about the cat. She's kind of like you know. She's not really close with her aunt. Her aunt was an uh, an eccentric, uh, kind of a disciplinarian, but not a bad person. She even says so in the film. Just she didn't take to stupidity, maybe, or she didn't take to imperfections. She just expected a lot. Let's put it that way. But she wasn't an awful person. No, she just doesn't take kindly to fools. Yes, and all they got to do is take care of this cat, and they can have all of this. And Again, it just it, it's it's a bizarre setup. I don't know if it's if there's some kind of social commentary going on there. I don't know, but it's just weird to me that these girls, three of the four girls, have no sense of <laughs> have no sense of like being humbled by this at all. They're like, "Fuck this! I don't really fucking cat. I want the big room." You know, it, it's it's really it's and it doesn't make me hate the characters. It's just really bizarre performances in a bizarre angle. Now, if see if this film had have been pacier, mm-hmm. and it had have hadn't been sort of inert, uh, I would have thought that maybe this was social commentary on the youth of that time in Mexico. That they they have the sense of entitlement, they never appreciate anything, and it was kind of if it if it was like that ten little Indians thing where they were getting their just desserts and were being bumped off, and it was kind of this black comedy social commentary. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then, yeah. I would, then I would have been like, man. They did something kind of smart here. I really dug it. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on the female leads and stuff of the film? Did you? Well, I like them all. All of them are attractive. Yeah. I I have a real, as everyone knows, I have a weak spot for Hispanic women. It's called your G-spot. Yeah. And uh, I, I love women that are, you know, dark hair, like Mediterranean women and 
and South American women, Middle Eastern women, uh, West Indian. I just, I love darker women. I'm sick saying that a lot here but anyway the women were easy on the eyes oh, sorry were those all your notes or am i just talking about the women here no 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 i was just asking your question okay. about the women because the women my, are beautiful yeah my one of my nomen one of my nomens i don't know what the fuck a nomen <laughs> is i speaking spanish again but i do not know what i'm saying <laughs> i am puss in boots yeah um uh, i i one of my notes was you know i found the women attractive Mm-hmm. And cute. Some of them are cute. Some of them very. Tr- one of them was in particularly attractive. I think it was Lucia. I think the one that played Matt. Oh yeah, Lucia Mendez. Yeah, and um, but they were trite, Fuck, right? She's aged really well, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw the IMDb. Holy <laughs> cow! Either that or she has an amazing plastic surgeon. <laughs> yeah. She looks amazing. Yeah, she has aged well. She's like sixty. Yeah. I know. I saw that too. I was like, "Yeah, I think I think we that second comment you had might have had more." <laughs> I think she might yeah, have been amazing. Yeah, she had to have. That nose looks a little bit small. It looks like she did a lot of like uh, possibly Mexican soap opera stuff. Yeah, which I mean, with a beautiful actress of limited range in any part of the world, that's a viable option. Yeah, well, I think also that that's that. Well, at least it used to be that that was those are really big in Mexico. The soap operas, that whole- and I love. The melodrama of Mexican, or, or not even Mexican, but Hispanic soap operas. <laughs> I love the melodrama and the, the kind of the slightly tame sleaze and, and be, you know, just. You know, the- I used to have this theory about the Mexican soap operas are different, but American soap operas, I used to tease my wife when she used to watch them. Uh, uh, she used to watch hers, and I'd joke around and say, you know, a lot of this could all be avoided if these people would just rent a movie and sit down and shut up. Yeah, for real, man. Because people are always, yeah, people are always up in everybody else's business. Oh man, (laughs) yeah, they're pretty ridiculous. Like if you think about it, most people in life don't run around say, "I got to go over here and I got to go over there and I got to go do this and so and so's sleeping with so and so and I'm going to do something about it and so and so's doing this and so." Most people are like, "Ah, fuck it, man." New Will Smith movie just came out. I'm gonna go rent that. Yeah, I'm just gonna sit on my ass. I'm gonna put these socks. I'm gonna pair these socks that have been waiting with the laundry. Yeah, and watch a movie. If you had it done that, you wouldn't have been getting in this whole mess of trouble that you're getting in. <laughs> and um, the um, so, what was I talking? Oh, the women. Uh, I, women. The thing is, they the, the the characters in this film are so trite yeah. that I sometimes caught myself having issues with the females in the film because I was like, these women are so sort of vacuous and sort of. They really are. But that's why I think it had to almost be commentary because they are so, for the most part, like not to say like they're vile human beings, but they're pretty unlikable for the most. Like if they were, if they, their only redeeming quality is that they're beautiful. Yeah, it really is. I don't understand, you know, like I said, I almost feel like there has to be something Mm -hmm. because I, I don't believe that. Any female, well, maybe maybe it's just as simple as, maybe it's just as simple as they need that, you know, that that to move the story along, they need that antagonist character to be these girls, or maybe I, I don't know, I don't know. It just seems bizarre to me. I, I almost feel like there has to be something else to it, and maybe if one of our listeners knows more about uh, Mexican culture, or maybe just this film in particular, they can let us know. Or maybe their storytelling culture or whatever, but uh, it just seems weird to me that these characters are so <laughs> are so hateful of uh, of something that's given to them. So this seems very bizarre to me. 
Uh, or maybe it's just a personal thing. Maybe it's just, you know, me. If something's given to me, I'm typically very appreciative. Yeah, I'm very appreciative regardless of what it is because the value isn't in the thing. The value is in the, the, the act. The notion, the act, exactly. Yeah. So I don't understand, but who knows. Um, there are good moments in this film. It should be said. The, the library moment's a good one. The library moments are amazing. There's moments like the library stuff. Like I said, the, this, the unfortunate thing is being a 100-minute film, there's a lot of ass dragging going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of ass dragging. But I, I, I lied. There's maybe combined 10 minutes of kind of spooky or horror-y stuff. Yeah, 10 to 15 max. But the library stuff's amazing. It almost feels like Suspiria light. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. The library stuff is good, and I like those libraries anyway. I like those uh, long, uh, the setup like very uniform, straight down the where you always have a middle, mm-hmm. and you have the bookcases on each side and stuff. And there's some great, um, some great overhead shots in that too. Mm-hmm. And there's some good shots between you know, but uh, through some curtains and uh, some interesting stuff like that. There's some great touches of um, uh, a ghost-like voice in the night. Very gothic and stuff, but that stuff works. I mean, you, that, there's some moments. Uh, so, you know, this film is not complete, completely unfavorable. It's just really a bizarre notion, the way this film is set up and the way that the angle it takes. It just seems very bizarre to me. And then, of course, when I read that, you know, it's one of the scariest films I saw, I'm like, okay, well, where are the scares at? Because it didn't really do anything for me in that, in that arena. It did, I, I'll actually say it did nothing for me. Right. I never jumped. I never anything. I No. I, I just waited for the inevitable and I just wanted to see and, and and I know this sounds a little bit like a jaded horror fan, but I just wait I was basically just always like how's he going to do this one? How's he going to do that one? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. But I still see films, even modern terrible horror films that still give me a jump every now and then. And mm-hmm. uh I was expecting some of that from this film, but I didn't get really get any of that. So but there is some technique here. I will say there's a, there's it's it's small, but there are some little moments uh, here and there where the film, I guess, basically it's mostly shots. I think the setup's a good idea. I just think that the way it's carried through is kind of not handled. It's kind of clumsy. It's and, clumsy, and there's a really a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I and and I have to admit, we we talked about this a little off the air, and we don't want to talk about it as we review it because we don't want to give anything away in case anybody wants to pursue this, but. I gotta admit, there was moments where I was lost as to who was doing what and why. Yeah, there, there, there doesn't really need. There doesn't really seem to be much solid um, uh, motivation for anyone to be getting up to some of the things that are <laughs> happening or not happening. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's basically a vengeance story, and it, but it's one of these vengeance stories where something so awful happens that uh, that. Uh, and, and not to say that you know, and like in most slashers, and something. That, I mean, most of those are vengeance stories, right? Because you know, they they you know let the the poor kid who you know has issues, physical detriments or whatever, to drown or something like that, or burn somebody, like we talked about with the burning. And you know, everybody's getting vengeance stuff. The vengeance in this is kicked off from another thing that happens, and it it's so bizarre to me that. That this is, I mean, I can't really get into it giving it away, but it's just, it's just so bizarre to me that I don't, I don't understand what it's going for because it's like they're haunting anyway, but now the haunting gets, I don't, I don't know. Who knows? I'll let you talk about it a little bit. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, kind of almost got uh, almost at a loss for words with some of the stuff in this film. <laughs> oh, I know. I I didn't have my notebook when I was watching, so I had to write it on loose pieces of paper. Oh, nice, nice. So yeah, this is on YouTube, subtitled. You have to find it, but it's there. It's a decent quality uh, version. Yeah, it looked pretty good. Um, I love the line early on. This is still when when the um, addition of a cat in the film wasn't just dull and overused, but when she's stroking Becker and the, the, the aunt is and she's like, oh, oh Becker you know nothing about fashion which is such a bizarre like non-sequitur <laughs> moment, like of course he doesn't, he's a cat Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, and it almost feels like Tenebrae, like it doesn't show her it just shows her hands and it's Kind of very gothic, you know. I was like, oh man, we're going to get something like La Residencia, which is, truth be told, one of my top five or so favorite giallos. Um, because Spain has a pretty rich history of horror. And we've covered some fun Spanish stuff on here before, some Nashy stuff. Now, this is what this film needed some Nashy to come in and take his shirt off and start making love to some women. And this this film needed more Nashy. Mm. Yeah. That would have been good, man. I, I have to ask you, and I asked Aaron the other night. Maybe one of our listeners. It's it seems strange to me that Nashi never worked with Jess Franco. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things, right? I don't, I, I don't know, I don't know why. Or, he Nash, <clears throat> or imagine Nashi in an Italian giallo, <laughs> like a bull in a china shop, man. Yeah, really it's amazing. But um, sorry, did I cut you off there? No, 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 no. I was just thinking about that, thinking about him in one of those type of films. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the film has a bit of an interesting score in in parts. I like this kind of untuned guitar near the front end, and even to, so, I made note of the, the man that did the score, Raúl La Vista. Um, as the film goes on, the score kind of seems pretty absent, but um, early on, it does a good job of having and uh, evoking a bit of a gothic feel, which which Span uh, Spaniards and Mexican filmmakers tend to do very well, mm. like um, Iglesias and even uh, Agust I believe it's Agustín Vieronga. They both do it quite well. Um, in films that are more contemporary, so and even Del Toro, they'll have a sort of gothic fairy tale feel. But, um, yeah, so early on, I'm I'm on board still. I'm I'm digging it, and uh, you know this this uh, Mexican woman with blonde hair in a peach outfit, sporting a strong camel toe struts on the scene, and oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> there's wall to wall red carpet. Early, I'm like, okay, I'm in. I'm still in. This is gonna be fun. And uh, I do have to say, I don't like when when I'm not a big fan of blondes, so I, I'm always I always lament when a foxy woman of sort of uh, Latin or or any descent other than sort of white goes blonde. I just wish they'd stick with their natural color. Mm. Looks better to me, but yeah. <clears throat> teach their own. Um, yeah, and I'm thinking, okay, we're gonna get this kind of cool dollhouse type setup with these four women, and and it's uh, it's gonna be cool. You know, it's gonna be interesting to see them get bumped off or see what happens and. They even have some interesting exterior shots early on with these piazzas and stuff. And uh, I don't know. I, it kind of gets away from that pretty quickly. And then, you know, I'm thinking dreamy feel. All right, I'm still on board about 15, 20 minutes in. And then the goodwill just, it's like um, <clears throat> its like one of the egg timers or like sand in the hourglass. <laughs> it just, that, you're tipping that hourglass over and all that sand is the goodwill for this film. And by the end of the film, it's all gone. Yeah. Um, 
there's this interesting subtitle that came up a few times where they said there was a Spike Nord's smell. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. you see that? Yeah, what is that? What is what, what, is, a, what is a Spike Nord's? Yeah, I don't know. I'm about to Google it. Fucking Spike Nord's. <laughs> Um, I also like that early on, still thinking it's going to play into that 10 Little Indians kind of thing, that that it's great that we don't know these actresses because we don't really know the pecking order because they're all giving them kind of even screen time. Oh, come on. Do something, do something, I, do something about that pool. <laughs> uh, buddy, it was. It was turned pool pump off. The pool's drained and everything else for like a few weeks at least. I got to try. Right, it's like see. Groundhog Day. I got to turn this reminder off. Um. And yeah, we get the, the the maid saying, I think it's the maid saying, blacker than the night. So she does that. Um, there's a bird murder in this. So <laughs> it's, fun, it's funny just hearing you say that. There's a bird there, murder in this. <laughs> there's more bloodletting from a bird murder than there is in the rest of the film, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Figure that out. Oh. All right, so I'm looking up Spike Nard. Spike Nard. Spike Nard. N-A-R-D. Yeah. Uh, it's a flowering plant of the Valerian family that grows in the Himalayas of Nepal, China, and India. Uh, used to manufacture an intensely aromatic amber-colored essential oil. The oil has, since ancient times, been used as a perfume, as a medicine, and in religious contexts, particularly in connection with historical Judaism. So there you go. Wow. Evidently, the Bible quotes that uh, Mary uses some uh, spike nerd at one point. So. Oh, very cool. I thought that was just some weird... Um quirk of the subtitle i don't know i didn't know why truth be told i didn't think it was gonna be anything real yeah we probably know it as something else in the song of songs which uh is mentioned in the song of solomon it says nard and saffron calamus and cinnamon stuff like that so evidently they called it nard which is funny because i think with our generation every time we think of nard we think of wolfman <laughs> yeah, of monster squad so yeah we discovered decker man. last week <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I don't know. I, so I, I'd be curious what the spike nard itself actually smells like because uh, evidently it's an oil that uh, maybe it's in something that uh, modern that we use and we don't know it. But uh, I'd be curious what it really smells like. It's, but evidently it's like a basically like an incense type of thing. I wonder if it has a myrrh esque scent. Yeah. <clears throat> The scent of uh, spike nard. No, Merle, oh, here we go. Here we go. Here's here's something else. The, the scent of spike nard attracts cats. A strange phenomenon in and of itself. Oh. There we go. So there's something there. I like that. The internet can be good for some things, I guess. The scent of my Eve Saint Laurent attracts cats too. <laughs> yeah, like, I meant to say uh, Frank, uh, fucking frankincense, and I said myrrh, which is something. Oh, what a bad joke I made. Yeah, Didn't even make sense. It was so stupid. The scent uh, of my left nut attracts cats. And smells like goat cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so we're 55 minutes in and we still have nothing. Um, so did you do it? I don't know what that's. Oh, it feels like at this point, this is when we start getting these kind of jaunts around the house at night when people are hearing noises. And it almost feels like that stuff that's happening at House of the Devil, but that stuff pays off. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it's just, it's like how many times are you going to go to that well? And not pay it off. Well, that's the problem. I think if the film, I mean, the film's 100 minutes long, right? So I think maybe if it had been 80 minutes, maybe I could have gotten behind it a little bit more. Yeah. But it's just, it's it's overly long. And like I said, I hate when people say nothing happens. That's like one of my least favorite criticisms in any film. Uh, or when any, even amateur critic or professional critic. I do not like it when people say nothing happens. Because really when you think about it, when you say nothing happens, that's a very subjective way to review anything. Nothing happens is, 
you know, down to the person. I mean, I could watch, um, let's say, uh, I could watch Desperado by Robert Rodriguez where a thousand things happen in five minutes. Yeah. And the person next to me could be like, nothing's happening. So it's, it's, it's like comedy. I mean, it's just, it's very subjective. Some people just don't think anything's going on. And I think a million things are going on. So, yeah. And sometimes just the craft of the filmmaking that keeps you kind of engaged. But yeah, it really, there really isn't anything, especially when you're a horror film. You have to do something. And this, like I said, it has a few scenes of some women. It, it almost gets to the point of parody near the end when it's like, okay, another one's going to fumble around and call out because she hears some sounds and just a squandered opportunity to really ratchet it up with kind of this ghostly feel. It could have been a chilling movie because, like I said, the, we both said that library is a great setting, beautiful women in peril. Um, you got the, I mean, you, it's, it's like, you got to the finish line and fell on your nose before you c- could cross that finish line. And, um, yeah, one of the women has the Mexican Richard Macer as her boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll just get that out of the way. Um, uh, one of those guys in the movie actually worked with Rodriguez. I can't remember his name, but uh, oh, nice. he's been in a few things. Nice. Uh, blacker than my one note is blacker than the night? Question mark. <laughs> Duller than the dishwater? Exclamation. <laughs> um there is a great line from one of the boyfriends when he says, "Damn, I never thought I'll be jealous of a ghost." Yeah. <laughs> um, so then I have here: no nudity, no sleaze, no blood, no atmosphere, no shares, no chills. Five minutes of a hundred. It's like a soap opera with no suds. Yeah, yeah. And oh, you said no atmosphere. I think there's a little bit of atmosphere. There's a little bit, but it's yeah. but it becomes redundant. Not enough. There's not enough, yeah. and what they, they use becomes redundant because there's no payoff. <laughs> and it, it, it kind of goes back to the same well. It's like it doesn't even add any variation to the kind of getting up in the night to look around the library kind of frantically stuff. It just repeats itself. And, I mean, the end of the film, like the last two or three minutes, is is pretty chilling. But it's like, okay, we've had three or four library kind of scenes, and then this two or three minutes jammed in at the end. But otherwise really like this is what we have it's well yeah and like i told you the I mean, it might be chilling but i had a lot of issues i didn't really know what the hell was going on toward the end i i know you and i talked about it off the air i was yeah. like did this happen or was this what this was or yeah. i lost track of characters and didn't know what the fuck was going on and and by that point we don't care yeah at that point i wanted it to be over with which is not a is never a good sign at that point i'm like come on mm-hmm. just come on give me a payoff mm-hmm. and i'm like confused I think something's going on here. I think somebody's doing this. I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, it's very bizarre. Is that all your notes? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So, uh, my MVT for this one, I'm going to go with the cinematography, the lighting. I, I did like some of that stuff. I like the uh, some of the mood. Uh, as I said, that that uh, probably the library the most, but some of the stuff through the house is okay. Uh, even though I do think like <clears throat> the cellar's like overlit, and some some things are kind of bizarre but i mean it looks good and it looks good in spots we'll say that and my make or break is obviously the library scene i talked about it uh, it's one of my favorite scenes in the film uh it's definitely the make or break of this one uh it's not so much a break but i mean the break of this film if there was a break it would probably be the just the pacing and and stuff like that but i mean there are like we said a few good moments a few little nuggets and stuff so i think if you're a cinematic like you know an adventurous cinematic l- film fan you you might you might find something to enjoy in this. And with that, I'll say, though, my score is, uh, I'm going to go 5.5. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little bit above average. I I, I liked it. Um, 
you know more favorable than I'm going to be. Yeah, I'll give it a five point five because there was, you know, the first five minutes, the and then a little bit of the setup, like the twenty minutes after that. Like you were, I, I was on board. First half an hour, I'm still on board. And then for like the next seven, well, not 70 minutes, but probably like the next 40 minutes, nothing happens till you get to the library scene. <laughs> and sure. uh, so it really, it really kind of takes the wind out of the sails, so to speak, and stuff. But I do think it's slightly above average. I've seen worse. And yeah. uh, so, you know, 5.5. 5, uh, I can't really recommend it only to those of us who feel like they have to see everything. So. Uh, and you know who you are. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Will and I are those guys too. So, uh, if you feel like you need to see everything, then maybe you sh- definitely, you know, I would, wouldn't spend any money on it. I mean, it's on YouTube, so you can check it out. But um, it's not what it's. It does. It doesn't do what it says on the tin, as they say. So, didn't scare me it, at all. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and at one point, they, they talk, tell. They're telling the story, and, and this is just, this is nitpicky, but this is. This is me sometimes, you know. They're like, "Oh, the girl grabbed a poker." I'm like, "No, she didn't grab the poker. She grabbed that little shovel-like thing." She grabbed the poker looks totally different. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like you can't even get that right. <laughs> I wonder if it was that was just like the fan sub, like. Yeah, it might have been. Might have been. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's hear what. Let's see. Let's hear your unfavorable, more less favorable uh, point than mine. Huh? Make or break. Gosh. Well, the film's above average, just slightly. So I guess the make where the the library scenes are the only thing, and the, the well the opening is okay, but at that point we have goodwill with or without the film doing anything. So the library scenes are effective if redundant, and the finale is you know pretty good. So the scenes that do actually chill, I guess uh, the library scenes, I sell, I'll say my my make. Um, hmm. MVT is going to be the women. If uh, nice, yep, they're beautiful women. Let's face, it, they're easy on the eyes. I mean. They're not great actresses, but they're okay. They're fine. They're serviceable. I can't give it to the mood or the atmosphere because there wasn't enough of it. No. Um, so, I mean, you can maybe go at the house. The house is a pretty good backdrop for all this, but again, it's underutilized. Um, so it is, say, yeah. It's like, it's, yeah, it's like they mostly had that one room and then a, a bedroom and a cellar. There's a little bit in the kitchen and stuff, but it feels like they had a whole house to play with and they didn't play with it enough. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they sure didn't. Um, uh, I would say my score. I was going to say a five. I'll go with it. I'll I'll decide with you, man. I think a five point five score because there's a couple of things that people like us that are cinephiles can can glean from this. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think so. I think there's a few things. I'm not. I do not think it's. Uh, like I said, it's not something I wouldn't drop everything and watch it. Let's put it that way. Never, ever, ever. But uh, it is interesting. Not in the way that JD's Revenge is, which we'll get to in a second here. That's right. All right. We're going to take a short break, come back and talk a little JD's Revenge. And uh, yeah, we'll be back right for this. Swear you'll listen to the good, the bad, and the odd. The good. He has the cruelty of Jack Nicholson's Joker, the wit of Mark Hamill's Joker, yeah. and the laugh of Cesar Romero. <laughs> the bad. He's bald, he's got a cat, he lives in a volcano. What else you need? And the odd. I've That's seen so bits of it, it's really stupid. Swear to me. Just a couple of guys talking about movies. You can find us on www. The good, the bad, and the odd.com. Yeah. All right, we're back. 
Now you'll be saying that in your head all day. Swear. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. So our next film is JD's Revenge. Uh, this was my selection. So let me uh, let me get a synopsis going here for it. Okay. JD's Revenge, a docile black law student, is possessed by a 1940s mobster in mid-70s New Orleans. The mobster seeks revenge upon the people who killed him and his sister. All right. Now, this one has a little bit of a history. It should be said, uh, I think it was unavailable for a while, but uh, and people were out there you know, finding whatever way they could to get a hold of it and stuff. Uh, it's pretty available now on most streaming services. I think it had a DVD release. I think it was like... Uh, yeah, the Soul Cinema. Yeah. And I so, think. but then it, it kind of like disappeared or something. Like it must have been a low print run or something because it became a pretty popular bootleg for a while. And, um, uh, but now it's, it's like I said, it's pretty available. Um, very interesting piece of, uh, <laughs> of black exploitation cinema. Let's, let's hear your thoughts. I, I know we've kind of talked about this like years ago. Yeah. But, uh, we've never reviewed it actually. So let's hear what your thoughts on JD's Revenge is, are, is, who's. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's a film that we both like. Uh, we hadn't seen it in some time, so it was good for a right for a revisit, as you'd said. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is the cast. Uh, the cast is is pretty so well. It's it's not like it's deep deep, but uh, the always underappreciated Glenn Turman, who we're both big fans of, and thankfully in the past couple of years, people that grew up with him have been able to cast him in a few things and oh, yeah. and he's been able to uh, turn up in John Dies at the End and Super 8 and some kind of nice little turns and um, it, so it's always nice to go back and look at his stuff because I think as much as he worked in some films together, I have some films together, I was because I was looking just together brother's credit, as much as he worked <laughs> in some films in the 70s, he was pretty prominent in the genre I wish he could have crossed over more into the mainstream because I think he was a really talented actor that had a great humanity. Um, you know, he's great in Cooley High. He's great in Thomasina Bushrod. Uh, he's great in a few other things. Yeah, he, um, he's really good in just about everything. I mean, he's... Yeah, Gremlins. Yeah, he just... He, uh, yeah, uh, Joe Dante uses him every now and then. Uh, he's one of these... Act he's a character actor, essentially, and uh, mm -hmm. he's one of these actors who... You know, even if the movies are not good, he's all he, he's, and we always say that he's he is good. I mean, he's always good. I think uh, he he always works in everything he's in. I, I don't Agreed. know. I, I've always, I mean, I was a, I thought it was funny too when you, when you talk about John Does the End last year or earlier this year when we talked about it. Uh, we both were very happy to see him in it and get a nice meaty role because he usually. Like the Super Eight performance is fun because he's in it just for a little bit and stuff, but and he sells that well. But it's really nice when he's in uh, John Does at the end because it's it's a little bit more of a lead, right? And he's he's really good. He's amazing in it. Yeah, he's so good. Yeah, no, I know it's it's too bad though. Like after that early stuff in the in the genre, that he really kind of just languished in TV and, and yeah. didn't just kind of out of the, everyone's. Um, uh, conscious or subconscious, he he wasn't really used all that much. It's just a shame, man. Because not only is he kind of a good-looking guy who's who's got a real sort of sense of humanity, but he's also got an amazing voice. Yeah, he's got a great voice. He has a great, great, great voice. Um, let me actually pull out my notes here. Uh, but other than him, I think the big draw cast-wise for us and uh, kids of a certain generation. 
it's funny how certain actors can mean certain things to certain people. Yeah. Like I think for our generation, you probably know I'm going with this. Lou Gossett Jr. is, was, and always will be chappy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I know Arlie Ermey is like, uh, you know, one of the most popular drill sergeant role performances of all time. And I do love it. But yeah. for me, the drill sergeant of all drill sergeants is Chappie from Officer and Gentleman. I mean, Louis Gossett Jr. owns that role so much. Iron, Iron Eagle. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm, oh, you're talking about that. Oh, my bad. I'm talking about Officer and Gentleman. <laughs> oh, see, I was talking about Iron Eagle, man. <laughs> well, on, either way. represent for the Gedrick. Oh, well, I mean, pff, yeah, fuck. <laughs> let, me, let, let me go back and edit that. I look like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. The asshole negro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, I was thinking about I was thinking about his performance as the the drill sergeant and officer and gentleman right. as well, man. Because that to me right. that was the the Louis Gossett Jr. role. But I mean, I thought when I was a kid, I thought Louis Gossett Jr. might have been like the one of the most acclaimed actors of all time. Now I didn't know a lot about cinema uh, at the time, but I, I, every time I ever saw him, I thought, man, this guy's really good. Yeah. Uh, I now realize that. Uh, he is really good to a certain, you know, to a certain level, but he never really, I think he got Oscar nominated for an officer and gentleman, but I, I think he, he never really, because he's so earnest sometimes in yeah, his performances, I think he sometimes gets overlooked as not being a great actor, but I think he, I think he's good. I mean, I thought he was good in Enemy Mine. I see Enemy Mine's another one. I had the pleasure of seeing that in the theaters. I was real young. Um, and I loved it. And that's one that I'd love to, you and I talked about this some time ago, doing kind of like childhood favorites mm -hmm. for like a run. Um, and that's one I would love to cover because I love, I love Quaid. I love Gossett. And yeah, that alongside Iron Eagle for me, because Officer and a Gentleman was something I, I saw later because I just wasn't the right age to see it when it came out. Um, so to see it later is, is it, I like it, but in my heart, he's always chappy and the alien from Enemy Mind. Yeah, we we should do uh, we should do the Iron Eagle trilogy. We should do those. We should do um, Enemy Mind. We should do. Oh, don't say Firewalker. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't gonna say what an amazing poster though. Um, Ooh, I didn't know that. I didn't know there was an Iron Eagle four. How did I not know that? Was it with Sasha Mitchell? There's someone of, the, no, of that ilk. 1995. It's just got Louis Gossett Jr. in it. And the cover's amazing. He's just standing on the cover with a plane. Oh, didn't we? I thought we mentioned this once. And we're like, oh, my God, this has this person, this person, this person in it. No, I know three has, uh, what's the her name? cast. Yeah, three has, uh, what's her name? Rachel man? McLish. Yeah, Rachel McLish. Sonny Chiba. Yeah, yeah. Three is the one that we. Horace <laughs> Buchholz. Yeah, it's got a pretty wild cat. Ray Boom Boom Mancini. Yeah. <laughs> We do have to move this up the queue, yeah, man. Three is the interesting one cast-wise, but I, I didn't know there was a four, and I just found out today. I don't know why I didn't know that. So wait, maybe we'll Jaffy do it. pacing the chasing yeah. that Tyron Eagle money, man. So, so right. maybe you really, maybe you really are right. Maybe Chappie is the character he's most known for. I don't know why. I thought I, you know, and his name's Foley in uh, Officer and Gentleman. I don't know why I got those two confused, but I'm not going to delete that. I'm you know, I'll, I'll take I'll take my movie embarrassment moments. It it happens. Yeah, it happens. Sure. You know, um, what was I going to say? Another one we should do would be, uh, I mean, I can't believe I'm blanking on the, oh, the last Starfighter, man. That'd be amazing for us to review. Yeah. Fuck, I love that. But anyway, I'm digressing into nostalgia, I'm in, into a, a, a swamp of nostalgia here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this film, yeah, it's got two two great African, two good to great African-American actors. Yeah. I think Gossett is the good and, and Terman is the great. Um, 
so it's always nice to see that because I always lament some of the actors that didn't maybe get some chances that that uh, that they could have otherwise. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's set in New Orleans, which is great. Um, we always talk about New York being very cinematic, but New Orleans uh, was as cinematic as any city, and it, it's kind of very malleable to the genre, whether it's a neo-noir or a horror. Um, there's a lot of genres that work well and lend themselves to, to that city or that city lends themselves well to the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it's an American, it's an AIP film. Yes. <laughs> we should say, which is great. I don't know how many of those we've had on the show. Oh, I don't know. That'd be a good, uh, challenge for somebody to go figure out because there's no yeah. way I could tell you. We cannot figure it out. Um, what's, you know, you what know, I can't... One, one other thing I got to say about, uh, Louis Gossett Jr. The, the, whenever he has hair, it feels bizarre. I agree, man. He's just like, what's that actor's name that was in Back to the Future? Um, the bald dude. Uh, oh, yeah. I can't remember F- that guy. He's got an initial for his first name. It's like, uh, J- not Jaylee Cobb. Fuck, what's his name? Let me look it up. You keep talking, I'll look the it up. The hard-ass principal. Is yeah. he like a prin- Prince, principal? Principal Skinner, right? Principal Skinner, yeah. And all I had to do was type back, the, and then they came the up. Bow tie. Uh, let's see here. His no, name. see, did G- not G. Gordon Liddy. Fuck me. <laughs> Forget it, I'm quitting now. Is it Principal Skinner? Gotta hope it's Skinner, or else I'm gonna feel like a real asshole again. Oh, I'll be in the asshole camp <laughs> with you. Uh, fuck. I know this I'll is. I keep talking. Uh, yeah. Let you do that. Let <laughs> yeah. you do that. I love that. Um, while they're playing football, that um, someone has the good sense to wear jorts on the football field. <laughs> yes. And hey, it goes to show wearing jorts pays off because that dude scores a touchdown. Yes, indeed. Let no men say that jorts don't increase or enhance performance in yeah. and out of the bedroom. I should also say for us football fans, man, Glenn Turman can really run that wildcat, bra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is uh, a sort of a small uh, subgenre within a genre of the African-American kind of supernatural films. You know, you had stuff like uh, Sugar Hill, which I'm a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, almost, Abby, which I almost picked that one, but... Uh, because I love I, it. Yeah, I do too. But uh, I decided to go with JD instead. No, I'm glad because I've I've seen Sugar Hill on a rewatch more recently than I've seen this. Yeah, nice. Um, I can't. Uh, well, I can't find this this actor. And how is that not possible? He's in Back to the Future One, right? Yeah, he totally is. He what totally fuck? is. What the fuck? Where is this Ab- guy? I like Abby quite a bit. Um, I love Blackula. I think it's a really underrated film as as a film, and it's a really underrated performance as a. You know, as far as the the leading it goes, yeah, another great voice. Yeah, man, an amazing voice. Um, there's, uh, I like to speaking of the humanity that. Um, oh, it's James Tolkien. No wonder we couldn't look at Mister Strickland. Oh, it's Strickland, not Skinner. What the, what what where the fuck Skinner come from? Uh, from the Simpsons. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, but which is more actually? We're going on this fucking rabbit hole and keep bumbling every name <laughs> on the way down. It's. Uh, Skinner is more in line with mess with the bull, you'll get the horns. Um, oh, from uh, Breakfast Club. Oh, God. Man, we're terrible this early in the morning. but We are, and we're not usually this terrible when it comes to names. It's, it's very bizarre for us to be this bad. Paul Gleason, rest in peace, Paul. Ah, yeah, yeah. He's more, I think Skinner's more Paul Gleason in that, right? Because he's Principal Dick Vernon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, oh, man. Gosh, but anyway... Um, there's a great exchange at home between uh, JD and his or JD. Fuck, um, what's his his, not his alter ego? What, I can't remember Glenn Turman's name is in the film. Isaac. There's a great exchange with Isaac and his and his wife, his uh, girlfriend. 
and it's a real nice exchange. It's kind of warm. It's got again, it's kind of has a realistic kind of human touch, and it's not overly kind of showy and make cute. Yeah. It was kind of real. I thought Joan. I thought Joan Pringle was kind of hot. I think both the female leads were good in this. Oh yeah, yeah, they are. But I mean, Joan Pringle when like uh, some scenes with her, just kind of sitting around, you know, studying with him, no bra on. I mean, you know, maybe it's says a weakness of mine or something. But I just think she's kind of. I don't know. She's very hot in a mature yes. woman type way. And, of course, you know that's a weakness of mine. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, me, and, and Dylan makes three. Yeah. Um, well, I think actually all three of the male the, the – whoa, whoa. Well, hang I, was on, to say, I was about to say all three of the male leads are hot. All three of the female leads are hot because <laughs> the – fuck. <laughs> What's her name? The, uh, the the one actress looks a bit like – you know Stacy Dash? Yeah. She was in Clueless. One of them looks like the one that played the sister. Yeah. She looks like Stacy Dash yes. a little bit. Stacy Dash is gorgeous, yeah. Oof, she's ridiculously good looking. Yep. Um, you know what's really odd to me is <laughs> I don't know if it was a thing back then, but uh, apparently it was socially acceptable for couples to go to strip clubs together on their anniversary. <laughs> well, now, uh, <laughs> my, 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 you know, as time's gone on, you know, I, I think about strip clubs and movies and. <laughs> <laughs> this one's a bizarre one. Yeah, they, you know, that's what you do. And not only that, but you, you got a slash variety show at the uh, strip yeah. club, you know. So you don't just go to the strip club for the titties and a beer. You go there for the, for the uh, the 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 token hypnotist and uh, <laughs> yeah, and entertainment. It's very, it's a very bizarre. I don't know. I, I, Double date. Well, too. you know, it was the seventies. You know, sex was rampant in seventy four, seventy five, seventy six. So. Not that it isn't rampant still, it always will be, but I mean, the culture was maybe more accepting, I guess we should say, of going to strip. But I do find it bizarre that people would go to a strip club for, you know, an anniversary. An anniversary, yeah. Very, very bizarre. That that girl, that girl that played uh, Roberta Bliss, uh, Betty Joe, or whatever she was, uh, JD's. Alice Joubert. Yeah, Alice Joubert. Uh, she was only she's only in a couple of films. Uh, she was in Friday Foster, though. She played the secretary, evidently, but I don't remember her in that for some reason, but didn't do much. We haven't talked about Arthur Marks before. Speaking of Friday Foster, Arthur Marks is a is a pretty good director. He didn't do a, a zillion things, but what he did direct, I'll tell you, I like some of his stuff. The Monkey Hustle, JD's Revenge, Friday Foster, Bucktown, which is good. And we covered made, Friday Foster, so we talked about him a little bit. Yeah, we did talk about him a little bit. But his favorite film of mine, yeah, I think it's underappreciated in the genre, is Detroit Nine Thousand. Yeah, Detroit 9000 is a good one. It is a good one, man. You got Mo Green, Alex Rocco. It takes place in the Windsor-Detroit border. It's uh, kind of a, you know, cops kind of whodunit uh, thing. It's got a real good cast. So that's one I'd like to cover on the show at some point. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, but yeah, she's uh, Alice, Alice Joubert. And there's the great, what, what a great name, Fuddle Bagley. <laughs> Fuddle Bagley plays Enoch Land. <laughs> Amazing. Fuddle. Uh, Good old fuddle. Um, but I wanted to talk about New Orleans for a minute again. And can I tell you, when you bring up this film on IMDb, one of the side lists, the user lists, says yeah. Count Ricula's Best of 1976. <laughs> Is that you? It's not me. I'm not Count Ricula. No. Count Ricula, man. No. Clickety clickula, Count Ricula. Yeah. I'm, uh, Count, I'm Count Bonicula. Yeah, yeah, that's right, man. <laughs> nice. Um, but I like, I, I miss regional horror. I think there's something to be said for a film that's very distinct and of its region. Like, remember we talked about that one from upstate New York a few weeks back, the Vincent disc. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, what was that? Uh, Bloody invitation or something? Uh, Death by invitation. Death by invitation. There you go. Yeah. 
Yeah, but a fun regional horror film. Um, and I think that to a degree, this gets a little bit anonymous at times or just feels like more like a, a standard um, uh, horror or like a kind of genre film. But it it still has some great kind of location stuff too, mm-hmm. which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the bloodletting in this is, is pretty pretty good for the most part. Some of it's pretty nasty and grim. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a nasty movie in some ways. It's not, I mean, it's not hardcore, but it's 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 no. it's definitely got the sleaze we were missing in the first film. Yeah, it does. And there's there's there's, there's rape stuff. and there's there's a lot of rape, a lot there's, of knives, uh, a lot of ni- knifey, rapey stuff going on. The switchblade, I think. Yeah. Well, there's also a straight razor, which I have to say, I I love Glenn Turman. I love Glenn Turman, <laughs> but he handles a blade worse than anyone in the history of cinema. I mean, and it's not even close. <laughs> he's terrible with a blade. Like he doesn't even, and and shame on Marks for letting him handle that blade like that. Like yeah. he he doesn't even open the straight razor. Like it's flopping around, and he's trying to cut people. It's like, man, it's it's an embarrassment. <laughs> it's really bad. They they could have should have given him like a switchblade at least. I don't know. He yeah. looked so uncomfortable with that fucking blade. Yeah, he did look uncomfortable with it. I think he was a little scared of it. <laughs> Not to say I use a Mexican sacatripe to gut warm-blooded animals myself, but, <laughs> you know, I yeah. just, I can't get it. It's, it's terrible. Poor Glenn. But he's working it in this, man. He, uh, <laughs> he, he goes full tilt, and uh, he even gets a perm at some point in the film. Yeah, no, you get, you know, as much as I like that, I also don't like that. It, it's really bizarre to me that the one thing that would show up... <laughs> To kind of t- to kind of show everybody he's a little off as his hair would change. <laughs> yeah, he gets a perm. He gets a fucking perm, and it's a pretty dreadful perm. But what's I, I'll tell you the thing I like is we don't see a lot of possession stuff with men. Yeah, we, I can't think, frankly, of one other film that's got. Well, I guess you could look at something like, um, well, Amityville, not really possession per se, but so you you get a few things, but it's rarer. To have sort of possession in a male character. I agree. And I also am uh, impressed that you used the word rarer and did it with dignity because that's not an easy word to say with dignity. <laughs> <laughs> with honor and humanity. Um, but I, I think that the fact that – I think Terman's perfectly cast because he is, as we've said, very likable, very warm, very humanistic. Uh, and to have that coin be flipped and to be this kind of barbaric animal – uh, in a lot of ways, who's very rapey and violent, it makes his turn that much more distressing to the viewer because of how opposite it is his character otherwise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So Well, we should just go ahead and say this. Now, one of the things about J.D.'s Revenge that I've always appreciated, and we talked about Glenn Turman, this is one of those perform. This is a bizarre performance. <laughs> yeah, uh, he really works the split personality angle. <laughs> does he turn and he turns it up to eleven? Oh God, does he ever? I mean, this is Nicholas Cage pre Nicholas Cage type yes. turning it up. I mean, he yes. really goes for it. And uh, I gotta say, watching it again, it was so much fun to watch and yeah. a critical with a critical eye and just look at <laughs> the insanity. That uh, Terman decides, you know, when he turns it up, he really turns it up. There's a great moment in the film, and I don't give away when it is, where he's just doing a 360, where he's just (laughs) (laughs) spinning around and around and laughing, and you're like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) If he was to walk in, you'd be like, what the hell is this? Oh, yeah. But he really does uh, sell that character, and and, uh, 
yeah, I mean, he really when he <laughs> when he goes into uh, the other JD. mode, yeah, the JD mode. He really, I mean, he really goes for it, and uh, I really appreciated that this time around. I mean, it's 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 Nicholas Cage, Klaus Kinski levels of of scenery eating. I mean, it's Jesus. It is. There's lucky there's anything of New Orleans left after he got done. Yeah, man, he he does chew it up, and the actor that actually plays JD, they do that quantum leap thing where he looks in the mirror and sees JD. Yeah, and he, you know, he goes, "Oh boy." <laughs> but uh, David McKnight looks a little bit like uh, Julius Carey, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. He strange. does a little bit, yeah. Yeah. But um, uh, so, yeah, Terman really goes for it, which is fun. Another thing he goes for is uh, he should have been in the meatpacking district in 1980 in New York because he rocks a nice leather hat in this one. <laughs> <laughs> he should have been doing animal nitrate with Pacino, man. <laughs> It's been amazing. Nice, nice. Um, and I have to think that I don't know. Maybe I'm overreaching on this, but I have to think that Billy Friedkin saw this because he's a genre fan. Because he wears that fucking leather hat through most of the film. Yeah. And when he goes back to, and see, he has a split personality. He's a man who is of two men. He's basically two men in one. And when he goes back to his apartment, his girlfriend Joan Pringle puts the leather hat on. Yeah. Much like Joan, Al- uh, Joan Allen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Joan Allen, yeah. Joan Allen does in uh, in cruising. Was it Joan Allen? Oh, here we go again. No, Karen Allen, Karen Allen, Karen Allen, Karen Allen. Karen Allen. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Fuck. I almost said Margot Kidder. I always mix up Karen Allen, and Margot Kidder for some reason. Yeah, we need to be careful. We're we're terrible with things right now. Fucking all over the place, man. It's like an NFL blooper reel where the ball keeps squirting out. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, we get a death by donuts in this. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty amazing. Death by donuts. <laughs> um, I'm I, looking. I'm looking through uh, some of the casting. Of course, Rhonda Shears in this, and she would go on to be on USA Up all night. She's in a very brief moment. Uh, kind of buxom Rhonda Shear. I should go ahead and mention her because uh, Mondo Justin did say something about it when I posted uh, when I posted that I was watching this. But you know, you're talking about those user lists. One of the user lists when I clicked on Rhonda Shear to look at her. One of the user lists was women a list of 990 people <laughs> i'm like thank oh. you thanks for posting women for me <laughs> wow amazing was who, who that has... also by count ricula <laughs> no <laughs> no but uh yeah i mean i'm glad that they they had that much time to post 990 women <laughs> uh, that man clearly does not have children <laughs> yeah. exactly um, <laughs> i like that this deterioration that uh jd goes through isaac goes through and transforming into jd at times because it gets increasingly worse and more frequent right um i like that we kind of see this kitchen sinky strain it has in his relationship mm-hmm. it's not just about the fantastical because this this film for better or worse um juggles the more fantastical elements with the more realistic day-to-day elements too yeah it's it's interesting I, I like the scenes between Joan Pringle and uh, and Terman. She is a very forgiving uh, girlfriend. She is very <laughs> forgiving because he's very rapey and abusive in a few spots. Um, <laughs> yeah, because he is <laughs> when he goes, he really funny. goes. <laughs> he really does. Like, but they show little things to show what a great guy Isaac is when he's Isaac. Like, even the moment when he gets on the bus to kind of talk to her and. He scrambles onto the bus and starts talking, and then he realizes he forgot to pay the bus fare, so he goes and pays it and comes back to her. Yeah, yeah. But little things like that, like you know, he's like a good guy. Um, 
this film and this film couldn't get made that way today. They'd have to, again, they'd have to have more pyrotechnics and sensationalism. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, Terman's a man after our heart because he's also a pipe smoker, and I don't mean that as any sort of innuendo. Yeah, <laughs> he bring he brings the pipe back to the GGTMC. Yeah, that's right. I like uh, always. One of my notes is bringing the pipe back. Yeah, I love when he hulks out at one moment. It, the Hulk out doesn't last very long. But there's that one scene when he hulks out with the henchman and he breaks free. I'm like, man, I, I really wish he had a hulked out more. But, um, oh, I have to say, I, you know, I don't want to call him Glenn Terman. I want to call him Perman Terman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the rape in this is slow and awful, which is what it should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's an awful rape. It's not. It's not like that hyper-violent, exploitative rape, you know, where you get, like, a lot of nudity or something. You get a little bit of nudity, but it's it's, it's that creepy kind of rape because she is both... She, and I, well, all, all rape is creepy, but... Well, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Maybe another moment I need to edit out. But uh, it's one of the... <laughs> that's a great thing about podcasting is you open yourself up to that kind of stuff. Speculum. Yeah, it's maybe... Uh, I think what the creepiest part for me is is that she's kind of into it in spots. You thought I didn't get that vibe at all. I know I got that vibe a little <laughs> bit, man. I got I, I got the vibe a little bit. She was into it a couple times. Oh man, maybe maybe Sam Peckinpah's business yeah. to you right now. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> <laughs> my, stro- my love of straw dogs is coming through. Yeah. But the, I, I had moments where I think she was kind of into it a little yeah, bit. Maybe you're right. Maybe and, you're right. And now don't get me wrong. After a certain threshold, she's totally scared to death. Yeah, because but, I think it's gone too far, and I yeah. think up until that point, she's just thinks he's he's kind of pursuing her. Yeah, yeah. Right? But I feel like she, uh, you know, and I'd like to see what other people think. I feel like there's a couple moments where she, you know, she's kind of confused. Maybe into it's the wrong words. Maybe just confused <laughs> yeah. is maybe a better word. Well, be, before he turns the aggression up another notch. Yeah, which is she just she just thinks he's being like a little bit kind of um, aggressive, fun, like you know, like she wants to be taken by her man and. It goes a little too far. Well, yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. I mean, you know, lovers can, you know, they're, they're, you can get rough with each other without it being rape, right? You can have some fun. It's not like you. That's right. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's it's a primal thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes it's a little fun to get a little freaky, a little crazy, and everything yeah, like that. Absolutely. You know, it's uh, it's like horror hound, but the uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, you know, once you go too far, you go too far, and obviously, Glenn, uh, you know. He took it down the silver and gold route, and he shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, I love when he's he's uh, cheating with that one woman. That woman's the most obvious. Like her husband's such a cuckold, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's the most obvious cheater in the history of cinema because she comes, she comes out, barely does her like crosses her robe over her breast, and she's like, "Why are you back so soon? Oh, why are you back so soon, baby?" Yeah, yeah, and, that, he, and and that scene's amazing. That might be my favorite, <laughs> my favorite Glenn Turman moment because he comes strutting out, shirts, and he's like, "Yeah, that's right, I fucked your woman, sucker." <laughs> and then he whips the fucking blade out, and it's like a it's like a bullfight, but instead of a, a a red cape, he's got this stupid straight razor. Yeah, and the guy keeps charging him, and he keeps cutting him. <laughs> And yeah, that guy's the worst attacking cuckold in the history of cinema. <laughs> Jesus, man. Yeah, Glenn Turner is amazing in that scene. Oh, it's so great. 
Um, <laughs> I but, fucked your uh, woman, sucker. Sucker. Yeah, it's amazing. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna wake up the house. I gotta, I'm gonna get a fucking straight razor to the, the fucking uh, face if I don't calm down here. Um, uh, okay. Um, last note because we're short on time. I think there's a really great, really heartbreaking crying moment from Gossett in this film. Crying's not easy to do, but I think he did that scene. I don't know how you feel, but I, I feel like he really nailed that, like the raw emotion of that that he needed in that moment. <laughs> yeah, I think he did too, uh, and I really do. I, I, I enjoyed. Uh, Go- we didn't talk. We we talked about him, but we didn't talk a lot about his performance in this film. But I did think he was really good. He played really played that uh, that preacher role really well. Mm, yeah he did yeah and i like that you know he's a man who you know has flaws Mm -hmm. and 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 there's some other things going on there but the scenes between i wish there were more scenes between him and termin i do too because those are really the two the two draws for the film and we don't we don't get enough of them it's it's really great they get they actually have that uh, one scene in clip form on uh, youtube so hang on a second here (laughs) we gotta play nice we gotta play a little bit of it here we go. That was the best fucking I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you've been dealing with the ace. <laughs> yeah, the ace. That's you a- gotta leave. Where you going, sugar? I got business to take care of. <laughs> Some Glenn Terminator. And here comes the cuckolded uh, husband who, for some strange reason, decides to come in through his own balcony. Shit! Small <laughs> man! Shit! Better go talk to him. <laughs> better go talk to Hey! Why would you come in your front door? What you doing back so soon, baby? You got somebody with you, don't you, bitch? <laughs> yeah, you got somebody with you, and I'm gonna kick this son of a bitch's ass. Oh. Yeah, that's right. I fucked your woman. <laughs> fuck her. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna rip your ass apart. Oh, watch out! Wait, no. Come on. It's crazy. I'm the craziest nigga you ever gonna meet. <laughs> oh, okay, now we can stop it here because it's. Oh man, then it, you got to see the bullfight. Yeah, because you got to. I can't sell the bullfight in audio form, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> insane movie. Why? Why do you come? Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Now I only thought about it just now in retrospect. Why do you come in the back balcony of your own house? Clearly, he was fighting crime, and he's trying to be incognito. Another thing, you know, you know, for any of the women out there to decide they want to sleep around their husband, don't don't go home. You don't if you're gonna if you're gonna cheat on your significant other, why would you ever do it in your own house? Only idiot. You know, I see those stories every now and then, where you know, husband kills lover, and I'm like, what the fuck? Or woman kills lover. I'm like, what the? Why? Who goes home and does it? Yeah, I know. Jesus. I know. It makes no sense. But no. those are all mine. I got nothing after that. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I fucked your woman. <laughs> Fuck. Glenn Terman, man. The performance for the ages, really. It is an amazing performance. Yeah. It was nice seeing uh it was nice seeing the Orion credits at the beginning. Uh those are always nice. Reminds me of my youth a lot. You know, every time I think of Orion though, I always think of Robocop. That's the first thing that always too. comes yeah, it's the first thing that comes to mind is a is a Robocop. But there was a lot of Orion pictures in uh in my youth that uh, always meant good genre fun. I always thought, you know. 
There's a little bit of uh, Vaseline camera work in the opening, I think. A little bit of Vaseline on the lens, look like. Yep. I, I think so. I thought that stuff in the the abattoir or whatever looked pretty good, too. It did, yeah. yeah. Pretty grim. Because actually, then they used some, uh, like, this montage, this horrific montage of, like, slaughter at the slaughterhouse. They that used, worked really well, man. Yeah, they use a lot of the, yeah. uh, the slaughterhouse montage. <laughs> Uh, they really do. I mean, I'd forgotten how much slaughterhouse imagery there is in this film. <laughs> oh, big time. And there's a ton of it. So uh, if you're easily offended, uh, I don't think, well, I don't know if that one scene is real or not. I think it might be because from what I understand, I think if you do uh, uh, bleed out an animal like that, I think the blood does kind of look like uh, look like soda a little bit because so much of it's coming out, so much it kind of bubbles a little bit. And oh, yeah. So I think that might be an actual cow carcass we see getting blood out at one point, but... I do know those are actual carcasses we do see at one point. And that's two weeks in a row we've had carcasses hanging on hooks. How about that? I know. Tell that's, me about it. That's bizarre. Um, yeah, it really is nice seeing New Orleans in this. I also like seeing the old cars. Like, there's a great scene yeah. where Terman's character, where he loses his mind, he decides to do it in car form. I thought he was going to do, like, the old Gator and fucking uh, Truck Turner, you know, and just start hitting everything. But That's right. <laughs> the stuntman who's driving that taxi cab, man, he had, a, he had a fucking something in his hands right there, man. He had a lot of work because those old cars do not handle well. Well, that's where we get Death by Donut. Yeah, that's the Death by Donut. <laughs> He's, it's crazy. Um Nobody holds back in this, and I think that's the that's what I like the most about it. Everybody has a a level of charisma in this film. Even his uh, his buddy, they kind of. Uh, I like. I wish the buddy had been used more. I thought they had a good relationship. Yeah, I thought so too. And I, he really genuinely cared about his friend. Yeah, and it was nice to see that it wasn't. Uh, you know, it wasn't like the other character, the kind of guy that you think's maybe trying to get on the get in on some Joan Pringle action. You know, he's trying That's to right. get. You know, I fuck Joe, bitch, motherfucker. That's you know. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, but he, you feel like you know he, and I can't remember that actor's name. I've seen him in something else, but uh, That's usually Carl Crudup, maybe. Yeah, maybe he usually has a mustache. I think sometimes in other films, right. but. Uh, the detective he, looked very familiar to me. Oh yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. He's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's got a very distinct face. Yeah, uh, he's got a good look. Yeah, um, but yeah, the hair thing always bothered me. There, there's, it's like this transition right after the shower scene. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's not the kind of shower scene you hope it is. It's a Glenn Turman. Well, maybe it depends on your taste. It's a, it's, <laughs> yes, it's, it does. Yeah, it's a Glenn Turman shower scene. <laughs> but uh, you know. It, it's it's bizarre that it just all of a sudden switches and everything just kind of changes from that. I also got to say that the way this thing wraps up, I won't give anything away, but the way this thing wraps up is really odd. It is pretty bonkers. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, all that stuff just happened and this is what you're giving me for? <laughs> okay. I, 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 I'm glad you mentioned that actually because one note I have is that the end, everyone's just, no one asks any fucking questions despite the lunacy and the murder that's just happened. <laughs> Total insanity just took place, and everybody's like, huh, how about that? Let's go get something to eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So They're go going back to the strip club. <laughs> yeah, that is one gripe I do have. It yeah, it, it does end badly, and I think it really, it for me, that is like one of the worst things about the film is the way it wraps up. It's like it didn't really know how to end so it's just like oh well that was the story uh, you know whatever uh then that's the way it feels like it ended i mean it just but i i think you know the performances the look of the film it should be said this is one of the black exploitation films that's been well taken care of um yeah this one is not in rough shape at all uh it's one of the more uh, i i would say out of if you had to have a, like a 
not like a top five good looking, but a top five well preserved black exploitation film. This might be one of the best. I mean, it's definitely up there. I've seen some, but you know, we've seen some too that have been in pretty rough shape, right? And uh, this one, uh, this one has uh, maintained pretty well. I don't know if they remastered it or what they did, but it seems like it. I've never seen a bad print of this. I guess I should say. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but I really enjoyed the performances of the film and and the story. And uh, it works, you know. It's a revenge movie. It says so right in the front, right on the right on the tin again, as I say. And and I think it works. So yeah, let's get into your uh, MVTs and make or breaks. I'm still thinking about that. Fuck. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Fuck your woman. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Sucker. No, uh, I, that is my make or break scene. And I noticed when he opened the blade. If you if you watch that scene again, and if you watch when he opens the razor, he looks at it. Like cross ad, it's like a really brief moment. But if you look at Glenn Turman, he opens it like, "Oh fuck, I hope I don't drop this." <laughs> it's like he's holding um, a rare, like an extinct baby bird in his hand. <laughs> he doesn't really know what to do with it. It's very bizarre. <laughs> very bizarre. Oh man! Uh, but that's my make or break because he's really going for it in that scene, and he's having a lot of fun. Now, some people who are fuddy duddies will bemoan an otherwise good actor in Glenn Turman really going for it like he does in this, but he's cutting loose and he's having fun in a genre film, well, yeah, which it, you it, and I can appreciate. Yeah, it It's bo- not a conventionally good performance. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, Nick Cage's performance in Bad Lieutenant, The Port of New Orleans. It reminds me, it's not yeah. a conventional performance, but it's, it's, it's one of those performances that, you know, some people are going to loathe and some people buy. And even you, who you're not the world's biggest Nick Cage fan, but even you are like, you know, this works for this film. And I think that's the same thing kind of angle you take with this angle or with this acting by Glenn Turman is that in this in this scenario, this works. And it is a, it is a great performance. It's one of the it, it's easily one of my favorite performances. I don't, I don't I, you know, I would say top 20 or something like that, but it, it's an amazing performance. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Um, and I think we both are going to have the same MVT. It's got to be the Termin, the Terminator, the Perman Termin. Yeah, the Perman Termin. <laughs> it's, it's all about him in this film, and he does a great job. My score for the film is a 7.25. There are some problems, a few, you know, few, few minor gripes with the film, like the, the back end with the kind of resolve and, and some stuff they don't really juggle very well. But um, it's a very enjoyable and a, and a very different genre film. Because, like I said, it deals with male possession, and they handle it in a more kind of humanistic, dramatic way. So, there you have it. Yeah, yeah. What was the score again? Uh, 7.25. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Okay. Uh, we're pretty much on the same page. My MVT is the performance by Glenn Turman. It's one of those performances, just insane. It's it's balls to the wall. And I should say that most of the performances in the film, even the uh, cuckolded uh, husband, they're all so bizarre <laughs> and so great. That you know, one yeah. of I thought about the same MVTs, just the performances in general, because I love the cops, I love the, uh, oh yeah, I love the people in the church, I I, I love the uh, the the uh, the scenes in the past with the uh, JD character. I just I love all the performances in this film. It's one of those films that I just I love the way it's done. I can see where people would be turned off by it a little bit. I know some people think that. I've read some comments somewhere where people are like, is this a comedy or is this a drama? Is this, what is this? And and I could see where they could think it people might be. People don't get it. Yeah. yeah. Where they would think maybe it was uh, a comedy because it is over the top. I mean, it is, it is seriously over the top, but it works. And uh, yeah, the, my make or break, I'm gonna go with the nightclub scene. I just think it's so fucking insane. I love it. <laughs> I really love it. There's so many good, you know oh, what? Yeah. I had too many 
uh, make or break scenes for this film, which is always a good sign, right? When I have to pick one, because I also like the cuckolded uh, husband scene. I like the uh, I like the scene where he walks back in the bar with the perm. <laughs> Right before that's, that, that's amazing. Yeah, I and like the old witch is like I haven't seen hair like that in twenty five years. Yeah, I love the cat taxi cab scene <laughs> where he throws yeah, the old. Amazing. I mean, it it predates uh, death by car, but death proof. You know, you got uh, Glenn yeah. Turman uh, working the lady to death by donut. Uh, that's right, man. But I, I like that scene. I liked. Uh, you know what? There's another moment that where you know he, he goes back to his crabby boss. And he says, you know, I got, I got this lady who's complaining that she got attacked and by, by a black uh, cab driver. And he goes, 40, 40 of my guys are black guys, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all you'd have to do is look at the fact that uh, Glenn Turman's cab's back window's busted. <laughs> and you'd know it was him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, what the fuck is wrong? But again, you know, you buy it in this kind of cinema. But I do like the nightclub scene. I love the, hypno- the hypnotist scene. I, lo- I love that scene. Uh, really, really crazy. Uh, my score's right there with you, 7.25, man. Uh, I don't think it's a great film, but I think the performances are astounding. And uh, I think it's one everybody should own, though. I think it's one everybody should have because it's unique. And and, uh, my love for Terman and Gossett Jr. and some of the other actors in the film knows no bounds. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You get classy performances in in, a pretty wacky genre film. Like, the ladies acquit themselves well. They always feel like they're, they're, they have a respect. There may not be a lot of them, but they're well written and respectful. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's, I, I think it's one of the best performed black exploitation films. And I mean, you're a big fans. We've seen a lot of black exploitation films, but I think this one stands out because of the performances. Maybe best oh, performed yeah. isn't the right word to say, but I definitely think it's a standout mm-hmm. in, in the genre of uh, of acting, uh, as far as this genre goes. I don't even know oh, what yeah. I just said. What did, what did I just say? Was it English? I don't even know what the fuck. Man, we've we've really been fucking. We've been the proverbial bulls in China shops this morning. We've really been a mess this morning. We've been off our game a little bit. You had what four or five hours? I had two. Together, we've had as much as one person yeah, should have. Yeah, I've had about five and a half this time. So that's really most of the times when we record. That's that's really deep sleep for me at this point. Yeah. So yeah, but you've had the uh, yeah you've had the good old GGTMC sleep. <laughs> <laughs> two hours and then talk about movies it's a good thing we love movies guys because i tell you i'm not gonna lie there's moments sometimes yeah. when that alarm goes off i'm like why the fuck do i do this yeah you just want to cry i do i want to cry oh all right so that is our show this week uh next week we'll have our halloween show we're gonna try to make that an annual thing going forward we got some great guests lined up you're gonna have fun with that one we promise looking forward to that massive uh, we can go Five ahead and, plus years in the making. We can go ahead and say what we covered. Well, we kind of did in the beginning anyway. So, yeah, next week we're doing uh, Friday Night One and Two, Double Deuce, uh, the originals. Yeah, the originals, eighty five and eighty eight, not uh, two thousand twelve and two thousand thirteen or two thousand eleven, two thousand thirteen, whatever. So, yeah, the originals, Roddy McDowell, uh, Charlie, William Ragsdale, <laughs> yeah, William yeah. Ragsdale, <laughs> and uh, all kinds Jeffries. of yeah, all kinds of fun. So it'll be great talking about those. And we're talking about those with some dear friends. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, that's about all I got. You got anything for me? You got anything for everybody else? Uh, just just love and kisses and yeah. Glenn Turman. Yeah. Love that's and, right. Yeah, love and kisses. Just don't do that to the uh, your friend's wife and then come out with a knife or a razor. 
We'll be coming out of there. Yes. God, you know, at least do oh, give me the dignity of at least escaping out the back window. Of course, like I say, it's impossible yeah. to escape out the back when your fucking husband comes in the back. So I don't know what you can do there. <laughs> yeah. You better go. You gonna you better go see about that. that's because you messing with the ace (laughs) i could spend days doing my glenn terman impersonation and and jd's revenge all right we hope everybody who hasn't seen that checks it out all right i guess that's all we got to say is uh adios adios that's right (laughs) thanks for listening you can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com you can call the gentleman at 206-666-5207 and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com 